show you in advance. I've got like three pages of notes. So all I'm going to do today is like this first page. And I can save the rest for next week because I'm going to call it a series. Thank, who said that amen? <laughs> the, the youth, the, the, they're like pointing at each other. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about prosperity. So this, this kind of follows closely along with that. Uh, I made the statement that God's plan for us is always better. And we can't put limits on that ourselves. We don't get to say all the time what it looks like. But his, his plan is glory to glory, increase in our lives. So that's what we're looking for. So I, I made this statement that things are getting better. And that uh, I'm calling it a series on kingdom optimism. And yes, there are still things that we need to do. But in the grand scheme of things, things are getting better because it's God's promise. That's, you know, I, I hear that sometimes I'll make a statement like things are getting better or the world's getting better. And, and I'll have somebody say, well, yeah, that's, that's just your opinion. And I'm like, no, it's actually a biblical promise that God gave us that's supported by lots of scripture. And it's actually supported by data, which I'm not this week, but in the coming weeks, I'm actually going to show you some data that proves the world is getting better. So it's, it's pretty awesome. We're going to look at Scripture and we're going to look at numbers. So all the engineers in the room said amen now. But uh, we're, we're going to see that the world is actually getting better because God promised for that to happen. So when we hear a statement like uh, the world is getting better, it says pass it on. When we hear a statement like the world is getting better, what's our first reaction to that? Or are we generally optimistic? Are we pessimistic? Do we, do we want to believe it? Is there something inside of us that like, man, I sure wish that what pastor was saying was true. You know, I, I'd like the world to be getting better, but I, I don't see it with, with my eyes. Do, do I want to pass it on? Am I afraid to say that to somebody else because they're going to look at me like I'm funny? What, what is it about that statement that kind of reveals our outlook on life? So I think we need to ask ourselves sometimes, are we generally optimistic or pessimistic? If you go, there's, there's our guys duking it out. The age-old argument, is the glass half full or is the glass empty? And, and we sit there, depending on what our outlook on life is, we're either going to say, well, I'm looking at all this data and the world around me and seeing these things and things are getting worse. Just gonna, The glass is half empty and it's going lower and lower. Or we can be optimistic and say, oh, well, I think things are getting better. There, there are two viewpoints on this, but here's the truth. Technically, the glass is always full. It's not just all full of water. There's half of it is air, but it is full. Sometimes we need to start looking at the situations of life that way. What, what have you given me, Jesus? What can I look at to see that you are at work in this site? Like I see some of it manifested already, and I know some of it is true in the Spirit because I read the Bible, I know your promises, I know it's the truth of the Word, I just don't see it in the natural yet, but I know it's there and I know it's active, waiting to break out into my circumstances. Don't go so fast, Calvin. Um, so... Sometimes we just need to see things from a different perspective. And here is the truth of things. If, if we're going to look at this over the next couple of weeks, the truth of the word is it is getting better. But what happens in our experience, there's ups and downs. Sometimes things are going well. Some things, things are not so well. Sometimes, you know, we're in a condition where, we, oh, we haven't seen any bad things for a week. And then it's like a week of, oh, I just all I see is bad stuff happening. But the overall trend is always going to be going up. So it kind of does this number, but God is on the increase. God is moving in our midst. Uh, so, like I said, there is still work to do. But my goal, at least for this today and the next couple of weeks, is to get us 
convinced or at least open to the possibility of, wow, the world might actually be getting better. Jesus won on the cross and his victory is actually being enforced in the world by his people. Amen. That is a good amen point right there because he actually won every victory there was to win on the cross. And he's waiting for his people to rise up and enforce it in the land. So uh, various things shape our outlook on the future. You can go ahead to the next slide. Here here are some things that shape our outlook on the future. What we read or what we watch in the news. What, What are we setting before our eyes? What are we feeding on? That has a direct impact in what we expect is going to happen. Uh, what we've heard from others. How many of you is like, hey, I was going along. I thought everything was just fine. And then like five people come and bombard me with, here's all these bad things that are happening. And all of a sudden, I thought everything was going great. And I come away from talking with others like, oh, my gosh, I better just go crawl back in the bed. You know, will a rock fall on me, please, and do something different. And then obviously uh, what shapes our outlook is our personal experiences or history. What, what have I walked through myself? What have I experienced during my lifetime? That has a direct bearing on shaping my outlook. I will tell you, though, those three factors up there can't always be trusted. It, gives, it shapes our outlook, but sometimes we've been misled. Sometimes we've, we've heard things that can't be trusted. Why can't they be trusted? Go to the next one. Well, number one, what we watch and see in the news, what sells? Bad news sells. That's actually why everybody went running out the first time because there was a wreck on, on Steuben. Somebody slid in off the road there and they were all going out. Bad news attracts people for some reason. And it is human nature that people want to hear the bad stuff that's happened. It's like... I don't know why, but the ratings go up. You know, you could do on, on TV, the same channel, they could do this humanitarian story. Here are these good things that are happening, this, this aid that's coming. Or the other channel could have the latest scandal. You know, what senator has done what or what, who's promised what and it's fallen through or all these bad things, scandals. This one gets more ratings. It gets more people tuning in because it's human nature. They want to see the bad stuff. So bad news sells. You can't trust developing your outlook on life from what you see and read in the news. And I don't care. I don't care which channel of news you watch and and what website you get your news from. You you can't trust because bad news is what sells. Uh, Why can't we trust others? Because others can be biased. They, they, they could have, you know, just, oh, something miserable happened to them this week. And so that's, they have a bias that things are getting worse. And all of a sudden, they've started to infect you with that bias. Yeah, that's right. And the last thing is our, our own history and experience is actually limited. And, and we will talk about that in the coming weeks. But here is an example. How many of you were alive in the 14th century in Africa? <laughs> For the record, for, this, for the recording, there are no hands that went up in the room. Do you see what I mean by limited history and experience? And, and our geography is, you know, I've only ever lived permanently in the United States. I don't have an understanding of what it's like to be a resident of another country permanently. I've only lived since 1969. Ooh, that's a long time ago, it sounds like now. I don't, I don't have first-hand experience of what happened when... It was the 1900s or the 1800s or the 1700s. So we are limited in our experience. So we can't always trust our experiences. So when I say things are getting better, your first inclination now might be, well, why should I trust you? 
you just told me not to listen to others. Why would I believe you, Pastor Chris, that things are getting better? Well, you, you could believe me because I'm a very trustworthy person. You, you can ask my wife. You can ask my family. I am a trustworthy person. You could take my word for it. Or you could come the next few weeks and we're going to see what does God actually say in his word that is true. And then what is actually going on when we start looking at some data? What's happening in the world? You could be convinced that way. Or you could at least be open to being convinced. So I come from a standpoint, my, my friends, my pastor friends kind of make fun of me. They, they, they actually, I had a pastor one time say to me, I thought I was an optimist until I met you. <laughs> so I think it, it might be silly, but my personal bent is Christians ought to be optimists. And this is not just Pollyanna, head in the sky, like, oh, I'm ignoring everything. You know, that building just blew up, but everything's fine. I'll just keep, I'll keep looking over this. I think Christians ought to be optimists because of the kingdom of God and the promises of the word. We are called to be carriers of good news. Man, that's exciting. I got a good message that I can share with people. I'm a carrier of good news. The word gospel is euangelion. In the Greek, that's where we get the word evangelize. We're called to be people that proclaim good news. We're not called to be NBC, ABC, CBS to proclaim the bad news because it sells. We're called to be proclaimers of good news. That's where we get the word evangelize. Evangelize, euangelion, literally means a good message, glad tidings, and the rewards that go with it. Amen. Do you know that there are actually rewards that God bestows on us for being good stewards of proclaiming good news to people? Yeah. That, that example I gave with Silas, pushing him away, sometimes we do that with our message. Right. Somebody hears the, the church proclaiming a message that's like, things are really bad, the earth is, you know, destruction, doom, gloom, judgment coming. And it's like, the, the world hears that and says, well, why do I want to go there? I feel so bad after I talk to those people all the time because all they tell me is we ought to be proclaimers of good news because good news is attractive. It gives people hope. That's we right. sang about it. We talked about it this right. morning. We, right. we should be producers of hope for the world. Yes. Come on. Which, which would you pick? If you had somebody stand up here saying, follow me. I've got a vision for the future. Things are bright. Things are improving. You know, I've got a plan. I've got principles. I've got things that are going to cause things to prosper. Or if you've got somebody standing up here saying, follow me. It's going to be awful. Things are going to be destroyed. It's all going to burn. And, and, you know, who cares about them? You know, they're, they're so evil and wicked that we won't do anything. We'll just get over here with ourselves and we'll all have this bad message together. <laughs> who are you going to follow? I know which one I'm signing up for, and I know which one I think lines up with the Word of God more. The good news that we are to proclaim to all the nations, that's what attracts people. It should, we should have an attractive message. If we start proclaiming the bad news, it starts a downward spiral where all we do is feed each other on, well, hey, I found this in the news. Do you know how bad it is now? And, oh, yeah, that lines up with what I was thinking. Do you know they passed a law to legalize drugs in, in Colorado and Washington. It, I told you it was getting bad things. Come on. Come on. The kingdom of God trumps all of that. It doesn't matter what the kingdoms of this world do. The kingdom of God is still going to triumph. That's right. In our temporal experience, we get really worked up about some of those things. And it hasn't changed a bit that God is on the throne. That He rules and reigns and He has principles for righteous living in His Word. How about this one? We read John 16, 33. 
And Jesus was talking to his disciples. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Why do we seem to read that verse and all we focus on is, in this world you will have trouble. And we end up like Eeyore. That's the picture up there. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. I thought it would be a good idea to build a house, but it fell on me. We, we read that verse and we stop with things. Things are going to be in trouble. And, and we say, woe is me. You know, I knew it would be bad in life because Jesus said so. In this world, you will have trouble. We even get out the Amplified Bible. It says, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. We read the Amplified and we're like, yes, I got all of those. It's just like Jesus said it was going to be. And we, we forget, what did he do? He bookended that with, I've told you this so that you'll have peace. I've, I've told you this so that you can take heart because I've overcome the world. Hey, it might be troubles, but you know what? They don't have to stay as troubles because he's overcome the world and he lives in you. He lives in me. I can be of good cheer. I don't have to. That verse was not meant for you to be Eeyore. For you to go around with an expectancy of saying, I knew it was going to be bad because Jesus said it. So that's where I'm camping it. That verse was meant to say, hey, it might you might have bad circumstances, just like that line we looked at. There might be ups, there might be downs, but you need to take heart because I've overcome the world. And now I live in you and I promised I would never leave you or forsake you. The Amplified, you, you want to get your Amplified out and read about all the woes, then you need to read the rest of the verse. The Amplified actually says, I've told you this so you would have perfect peace. So you wouldn't be rattled at all by it. The Amplified says, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, be certain and undaunted. For I have overcome the world. And the Amplified actually says this, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. How awesome is that? Hey, in this world, you have trouble. So what? It's, it's going to happen. I'm going to have good times. I'm going to have bad times. But Jesus has overcome for me. He's deprived it of power to harm me. If Christians aren't going to have a message of hope, then the world is in big trouble. Because we know the one who is hope. We know the answer for these situations. If we're not giving hope into the world, they're not going to get it from anywhere else. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever news site you read it from, they're not going to get hope from those places. Whatever political party you support and vote for, they're not going to get hope from those places. As much as the, they co-opted hope and change, you're not going to get true hope that changes your life from a political party. And here's a verse that goes along with that. Matthew 6, verse 22, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great that darkness. That's a picture of the church in the world. If the church is focusing on what is Jesus doing? Where is the kingdom being manifested? There's going to be light released into the world. If the church is focused on, it's so bad. Things are getting worse and worse. We better huddle together and protect what we got. Then there's darkness being released into the world. Where is the message of hope if it's not coming from the church? In fact, I I would go this far to say, if, if you say there is no hope, 
in any situation, you're contradicting the word and nature of God. Anybody ever get in that situation? We, we, we say, it's hopeless. Man, you better break the power of those words. You, you better reel that back in. You better start proclaiming truth because I know the hope. His name is Jesus. And for me to say, for me to look, it's not just a situation. Do we ever do that with people? Oh, yeah, I witnessed to him, but he's hopeless. He's, he's never going to listen to anything we have to say. Oh, my gosh, you have just proclaimed darkness over that person's life. He's hopeless. What an awful thing to say about somebody. I mean, it's one thing to think about, hey, I'm declaring that over a circumstance, and that, that might not line up with the Word. But when we say it over people, how horrible is that? Here's, here's why. Why is, it, why is it important that we're optimistic? Your outlook affects your confession. What you speak, what comes out of your mouth is directly influenced by your outlook on life. Why is that important? Well, this is important because we are the ones with authority. Look at that. You have authority. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go. Huh. He got authority. It's been released to us. That was the impetus for go. We have authority. How about this? The devil doesn't. That's right. Here's, here's the verse from Colossians. Uh, this is the one in, in, the, in the NIV. I think it says he disarmed the, the powers and made a public spectacle of them. But I, I love this. His brilliant victory made a public spectacle of every rule and authority empowered by the fall of Adam. The voice of the cross will never be silenced. I love the way it says that. He's completely destroyed and disarmed the power of the devil. He has stripped him forever and ever. So we have authority. The devil doesn't. Why is that important? How does that relate to our confession? If the devil has no authority of his own, where do you think he gets it to act? Go to the next slide. When the devil hears the language of his kingdom being spoken by someone with authority, it empowers him to manifest his fruit. So what I mean by that, if I say, Tom's hopeless, you know, he's, not, he's never going to get saved, the devil says, oh, I hear the language of my kingdom being spoken. I can come just take resident right here in Tom because a person with authority gave me license to act in his life. When, when we procl- What about this? What do they call Las Vegas? Sin City. What if Las Vegas has continued to sin like that because the people of God with the authority have proclaimed that over their city? We've said your identity is sin city. Never going to change. It's hopeless. What if, what if they're continuing in that sin because the devil heard the language of his kingdom and said, oh, I've been given license to act by the people that have authority to declare what happens in this land. That's a scary thought. That's, that's responsibility. Like even the idle words that come out of my mouth carry authority because I am standing in Jesus Christ. The same, the same authority that he had to tell demons to flee, to do these things. That's the power of the words that come out of you and I's mouth. And we can use it to release blessings or cursings. I think about it. Even practical things like we're here in Elliot. 
oh, it grieves me when I hear somebody in Elliot say, this is a terrible place to be from. You know, it's, it stinks to live in Elliot. It's horrible here. We never get anything. You blah, 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 whatever, blah, 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 blah. blah. And you hear people do it over all kinds of things. Their jobs, the places where they live, the, their marriage. How awful is that when the people of God speak things over their marriage? Like, you know, we're, we're arguing and all of a sudden, you know, I tell my wife, you're so stupid. Tell my Pam. Tell my wife. Everybody knows who you are. I've never said that to Pam, I don't think. Thank God. But just as for an example, what if I declare it? And you're thinking, oh, that was just in the heat of the moment. Stupid argument. Yeah, I just, I didn't really mean it. You had authority and you yeah, released right. it. That's right. You, how do I expect my marriage to be harmonious and happy and our, to be right. in unity so that our prayers will avail much according to right. First Peter when I've just proclaimed cursings over my spouse? Which, in point of fact, I'm actually proclaiming cursings over myself right. because we are one. And, and I've just crippled myself to walk in, in where God's called me in my marriage. We need to be aware of the words that come out of our mouth and our confession. And our confession comes directly from our outlook on life. Yeah, sure. That's why I think it's important to be optimistic. Yeah, sure. Call me silly, but I think if we get optimistic and excited about what Jesus is doing, it changes the way we talk and it begins to transform the world around us. All right. I promised that I was going to stop there. And... Uh, that's like a heavy place to stop. I just tramped on everybody's toes, and now I'm going to say, okay, we're, we're going to leave. Um, woohoo, amen. Yes, I feel so good about coming to church now. Um, that's a lot to chew on. Here, okay, I'll flip it. You, is be encouraged this morning. Your words have power. You have authority because you are found in Jesus, and you have the ability to declare good things over your circumstances and see them come to pass. Change your mind. That's what repenting is all about. Come on. The word repent. Metanoia. Change your mind. Start coming into agreement with God's word and letting your mind dictate what comes out of your mouth. Start saying, oh, well, I used to believe that Elliot was a crappy place to be from. But now I believe that God has settled here in the midst of Elliot. That his glory is radiating from someplace like the New Life Center. Come into agreement with that in your mind. Repent. Change your thinking. And then begin to declare that over your circumstances. I, my spouse is not stupid. I got a treasure. I really am going to stop. Can I, can I just read one scripture as a teaser for next week? I, I, read, it, I read it last week, but it's, so, it's always one of my favorites. I, just, I read it every time I can. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. We're going to pick up here next week because I'm going to start giving you scriptural basis for why I say things are getting better. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 said, of the increase everybody say increase. increase. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Everybody say no end. No end. That means no end. That means unending. That means uh, that the increase is what he's referring to. He's, he's not just talking about the government and peace of God will not end. He's actually, Isaiah is referring to the increase of the government of God and His peace will not have an end. There will always be perpetual increase of the kingdom of God. It says, there will be no end. He will reign, talking about Jesus prophetically, He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. When He says that time on, 
he was talking about when Jesus came, walked on this earth, died on the cross, and was raised again. That time on, he will establish it in justice and righteousness. And it says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can I tell you that unending increase of his government and peace means that things are getting better? If, if his government and peace have increased today more than they were yesterday, today is a better day. Things are getting better, and it's not contingent upon how I feel about it. He wants us to participate in establishing the kingdom, but he is going to do it. It says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It doesn't say the, the good desire, the, the nice optimism, or the hope of Chris Mays will make these good things happen in the earth. It says the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish it. It's got nothing to do whether or not I want it to happen. It's happening. And I get to participate in it. Woo-hoo! It comes out of my mouth and things begin to change. New Living Translation actually says the passionate commitment of the Lord Almighty will guarantee this. Things are getting better. And if, if, you, if you don't feel that already, I hope you get your mind shifted a little bit. And if you do already feel it, we're in this together. Let's encourage each other with what God is doing in the earth today. All right. Let's stand and I'll pray for you and then we'll move some chairs. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Pam, Pam gave a good example. She said, it's, it's simple in the everyday choices of life. You know, you hear me stand up here and say, it's snowing outside. How do I react to that? Oh great! It's here's I'm shifting into shifting in. Yeah, I could either shift into Eeyore mode, like oh I'll probably wreck on the way home. We'll get stuck on the hill and we won't have any traction. Or yeah, Mike says, "Let's go skiing." What what are we doing with the everyday simple circumstances that come in front of us and the choice we get to make about how we're going to react comes from. What is our outlook? Yeah. Are, we, are we optimistic yeah. that things are getting better, that the kingdom is expanding? Are we walking around yeah. in defeat, yeah. just waiting for the next bad yeah. thing to happen? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your people this morning. I thank you for the, the glorious company of people called the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's beautiful. I declare that this morning, that your church is beautiful and glorious to behold. Lord, I thank you that you help us uh, start in our house, Lord God, in the church, in our marriages, in our family. Start at home to help us to see the good things that you've already done in our lives, the things that you've done in our relationships, the things where you have already established your kingdom. Let us focus on that. God, if there have been places and times where we've so focused on the bad that it's come out of our mouth and empowered the enemy, we repent, God. We, we break our agreement with those words and those mindsets that we've spoken in the past. We repent, Lord God, and we come into alignment with the thinking of your word that says there will be no end to the increase of your government and your peace. Lord, let us see the fruit of that being established in our lives. God, I, I ask that. I sincerely ask that, Lord God, for every single person in this room that places where we've had a bad confession in the past, the moment we repent and change our thinking about that we would see new fruit begin to grow, that we would see the good fruit of your kingdom begin to be established in every area. Lord, bless your people. God, I ask for safety on the way home, that you would watch over us. I thank you that you, you did, 
it's not just an old cliche prayer, Lord, that you actually do commission angels to surround us, to, to watch over your people, to minister to us. And Lord, I thank you that you guard and watch over each one of us as we go home today, as we are about the business of establishing your kingdom. Thank you for the privilege and the honor to be a part of it, Lord. We bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's clap for them. Woo!